Hey everybody, welcome to What's Up with Pastor Chuck. And we are in a series right now, a podcast on relationships. And so we wanted to talk about lots of different things that affect the relationships you have in your life. So I'm really, really, really into this right now. But just so you know, Tracy and Lauren are actually into murder. <laughs> they have. They've been watching this thing about murder. So uh, I don't know where that, okay. But uh, uh, I don't know. Anyway, so what we have been is the 15 non-negotiables. So what I encourage you to do if you're single is I encourage you to know the non-negotiables. 15 things God said needs to be in you, 15 things they need to be in the person that you would even date or marry. And also, by the way, if you're married, you would ask, how can I make sure these things are in me so that I could be the best person I could be with the person I'm married to? Uh, but the idea is this, is that you wouldn't understand that God wants you to have these true of you. And you grow in each of these. Then you also begin to look for a person who's like that. But I also encourage you to write a list of what I call the negotiables. So uh, on the negotiables, you would write out things that are not on the 15, but are things that you have a heart's desire for. Because the Bible talks about the fact that God gives you the desires of your heart. And so the more you have that on the list, uh, the more you're able to start praying and talking to the Lord in a very wonderful, incredible way about the person that God has for you. And so that you would just be able to find that kind of person that God would have for you in your life. So what I want to do today because I don't want to lag. We're going to actually finish up the 15. I'm not going to go super in depth on them, but I do want to have you think about these. So let me give you a recap of the first um, eight. There we go. First eight things that God says you want in a person uh, before you would date them seriously or before you would uh, get married. Uh, so number one is they need to be a Christian. That's a non-negotiable. God will only bring Christian with Christian. Uh, and so they have to share their love for Jesus you have and their walk with God needs to be equal to yours. Uh, number two is they need to be someone you respect and they respect you. That's a big deal. They should respect you and show respect for you. Uh, number three, they need to be attractive. You need to be attracted to them and they need to be attracted to you. And if you're wondering why that's on the list, go back and listen to an earlier podcast and you'll see why that's on the list. Number four, motivated. You need to find somebody who at least has the same level of motivation you have and spurs you on uh, to be motivated to be the best person you can be and to live the life God wants you to have and to be successful in what you do. And then number five is what I said is probably outside of Christian, the most important thing on the list, not given to anger. If someone has a bad, bad temper, if they're given to anger, if they get riled or upset or wrathful easily, you don't want to be in a relationship with them. And then number six, they need to be strong and have a good self-image. Uh, by the way, let me say it this way. Never marry a project. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Lauren, you like that one. Uh, yeah, don't marry a project. Okay. And then uh, the next one, number seven, not jealous. They, you don't want to have someone who's jealous. Then number eight is how far we got last week. Trustworthy. Can you trust them? Can you trust them? Can you trust their word? Can you trust there's nothing hidden in their life that you don't know about that they're going to surprise you with later? Uh, can you trust them? Uh, you know, with your deepest feelings to be treasured and trust them to, to really care for you and care for others. And that's uh, the first eight. So let's go to number nine. Ready? Not a gossip. 
not a gossip. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18, it says, He who conceals hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool. In other words, somebody goes out gossiping against others, slandering others, attacking others, stirring things up with others. Uh, you don't want to do that. Uh, one time I was in my office at, when I was on staff at another church, and I heard our receptionist screaming at a person. They're not, well, they couldn't go in the hallway, but they were coming down the hallway. I could hear them coming, and I heard the receptionist yell, I'm going to call the police. So I thought, oh, I've got to go help her. So I opened the door and stepped out, and I realized this man who's coming is coming at me. Uh, he's coming upset. He's coming angry. So I thought, okay, I already know she's calling the police. I can see how upset he is. So what I decided to do is I went back in my office and made sure my desk would separate me and him so we didn't get into a fight. And when he came in, he slammed the door and he started screaming at me. And he screamed. He said, you promised whatever I said to you in this room would be confidential. And I said, I did, and I've kept my word. He goes, then how come? And he began to talk about the people who knew what was going on. And by the way, some very embarrassing things about him. Because I had been helping he and his wife in a counseling session. And he said, so how do people know that? And I stood up and looked at him, and I said, because your wife's a gossip. And I said, if you didn't know this, she's a gossip. And, and he kind of stood there, and he did know it, by the way. And I said, so if she gossip about others, why would you think she doesn't gossip about you? And he was, like, so aware of it. Um, that was a heartbreaking moment for him to realize she was someone who would spread things against him, her husband. Uh, and I... I'd love to tell you that's the only couple that has that problem, but it's not. So if you're around somebody who's a gossip, just get ready for this. One day they'll probably gossip about you. Uh, and so you don't want to be in friendships with a person like that. You don't want to be in an engagement with them. You don't want to marry them. So not a gossip, not a gossip. Number 10, discretion. Number 10 is discretion. And in Proverbs 11, verse 22, it says this. I, I love this verse. It says, as a ring of gold in a swine or pig's snout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. <laughs> it's in the Bible, okay? It's in the Bible. Uh, when I went to Hope University, I lived in the dorms, and some of my friends who are uh, in their room, they put this verse really big on their wall. <laughs> And they got in trouble. <laughs> but, but think about that verse again. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. Uh, a person who has discretion knows when the right time is to say something or do something and when the wrong time would be to say or do it and they won't do it. Um, and you may not realize how big that is. Do they have discretion? Are they able to uh, not share things at a time that would not be helpful? Not say things that would not be helpful? Are they aware that sometimes they can act in a way that would be hurtful? And they, they wouldn't do that. Uh, I have a friend who uh, his dream was to be a professor at a pretty prestigious uh, uh, higher education uh, institution. And he worked for it and worked for it and worked for it. 
uh, and he was offered uh, a, a position. And then he was to go to the home of the president of the university to be introduced to that area, the faculty. So he and his wife, as they were driving in the car, uh, they decided to stop by In-N-Out and celebrate and get uh, chocolate milkshakes or whatever milkshake. Uh, his wife got a chocolate one, and he got a whatever one. His wife lacked discretion. I can't tell you the number of times when she got mad or upset, she would go off on him in public. She would yell or scream. Uh, she would vent and not keep her mouth shut. And they were on the way to the president of the university's home, and all of a sudden she starts to get upset. And my friend said to her, please, not now. Please, I'll do anything. And she goes, what? You'll do anything? Are you saying I'm? And she got madder and madder and madder. And right as they pulled into the driveway, she took her chocolate shake and threw it on him. And there's too late to turn back. Too late not to show up. So he walks up to the doorway with this chocolate shake on him. She's crying and still very emotional and before he could knock on the door, the president opens the door and looks and says, are you okay? And his wife ran into the bathroom all upset. And uh, he took him into the other room and said, what happened? And when he told him, the president said, we're not going to give you the offer. He never got it. His wife ruined it for him. By the way, that wasn't the only thing she ruined. She ruined thing after thing, dream after dream, hope after hope. Because she couldn't control herself. And uh, you know what is, I remember one time sitting with him and he said, I should have known better. She was that way before we got married. And, uh, you know, it's, it, you don't want to be with someone who doesn't have discretion. Uh, if they can't keep control of themselves, if they can't not be, uh, you know, out there saying things that don't have wisdom. So the Bible says, do not be so with someone who lacks discretion, who lacks discretion. Um, Number 11, they need to be wise. They need to be wise. So the Bible talks about the idea that you only want to be in the company of wise people. And in Proverbs 13, verse 20, it says this. It says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So what I want you to know is this, is if you're with someone who's wise and you, you are uh, someone who helps each other be wise, then when you live your life together, you're going to have a wonderful life, an incredible life. Uh, they need to be wise in how they handle their money. Uh, by the way, that's a big, big deal. If they're foolish in how they handle their money, you will pay. Uh, you will pay the price for that. Uh, so, you know, if they're foolish in how they handle their time, foolish in how they handle their career, foolish in how they handle relationships, the Bible says you'll suffer harm. So make sure you're with someone who's very, very wise. Very, very wise. Uh, we're really fortunate here on our staff to have some of the most wise people I've ever been around, which keeps the church from suffering harm, by the way. Um, but I've been in places where that wasn't the case and harm came. But the Bible says you want to marry or be with someone who's wise. Number 12. Okay, this is a big one. Number 12. Someone who has good language. 
Now, you know what's so interesting is I think sometimes people act like, well, Chuck, you're a pastor. So, you know, you're kind of prudish when you come to this. You know, what's the big deal if someone cusses every now and then? What's the big deal if, you know, they kind of go off with their mouths uh, in ways saying, you know, cuss words or harmful words or overly sarcastic words? But it says this in Proverbs 17, verse 20. It says, he who has a crooked mind finds no good, and he who is perverted in his language falls into evil. I can't tell you how heartbreaking it is when couples begin to go at each other, cussing at each other, and how painful it can be, how hurtful it can be, how it never solves anything, or when they do that to their children. And by the way, if you're not concerned, they'll do it to you, they'll do it to your children. And words do hurt. Words inflict wounds. Uh, There are times that you may have heard a word and all of a sudden your stomach churns because you remember a time someone said those words to you. And so what I want to tell you is, number one, is don't get caught up in a world that's so quick to cuss, so quick to swear. Uh, And I want to say this, as I know I'm older than especially you guys, uh, but it used to not be okay. Uh, I can't tell you, uh, I sat in a restaurant not long ago and guys are just going off and saying it. They're kidding and joking. But I thought 15 years ago, no one would do that in public. But today we're so cool. Uh, I hear pastors get up in the and, and, and when they're preaching God's word, just throw out those words. And the church thinks it's funny or cool. It's not funny or cool. And it certainly doesn't help your relationship. The words we use say everything about what's in our heart. Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can't have cussing come out. Uh, defiling words come out and not get honest if you're listening to Jesus and say, that's what's in my heart. So you you need to know when someone doesn't have, I'm going to call it good language, well, that tells you everything about their heart. And, uh, you know, I I look at you two, I look at, you know, Tracy and Lauren. I mean, I would never want the men that one day God brings to you not to treasure you and not to lift you up and build you up. And, And I certainly would be heartbroken if they tore into you or tore you down. Uh, I believe the same for my wife, Pam. You know, that uh, while our, neither of us are perfect, you know what, I'm, we don't cuss each other out. That's just never going to happen. And, uh, you know, in the end, we're going to be able to have a way better relationship. Uh, and so that's a big one, uh, to, that they have good language. Uh, number 13, number 13 on the list I love is not crabby. <laughs> Not crabby. Uh, and, and that means they're not someone who's negative, not someone who complains, uh, not somebody who is always finding the wrong thing. They're not overly irritable. And so God wants you to be somebody with somebody who's not crabby. And so in Proverbs 21, verse 9, it says these words. It says, it is better to live in a corner of a roof than a house shared with a contentious or crabby woman. <laughs> 
Okay, I'm quoting scripture. So, uh, yeah, but but you know what is he saying? You know, you could be in the biggest, nicest, most glorious house ever, but if you're with somebody who complains, with someone who's crabby, with someone who's irritable, it, it gets old really, really fast. It would be better to be in the corner of a roof than it would be, or an addict than it would be to live in a situation like that. Uh, I know this, is that the opposite of faith The opposite of faith is not doubting. The opposite of faith is being negative. A lot of people aren't aware of that. Doubts are not always a sign of a lack of faith. You may be questioning something or wrestling through something. But being negative is always a sign of a lack of faith. Uh, As a believer, we know in Romans 8, 28, that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and live their life according to his purpose. So I need to believe that somehow, someway, everything will turn out for good. Somehow everything is going to go for the better. God is going to do something with anything in my life or your life that in the end can work out in your favor. And you might say, well, Chuck, what if it's something really, really bad? All that means is you're going to experience a greater miracle. And so when you are with somebody and you find that they go to the negative and not the positive, the Bible says, do not be in a close relationship with them. Certainly don't date them. Definitely don't get engaged to them and don't get married to them. Don't get married to them. So if they're crabby, if they're irritable, if they're contentious, uh, the Bible says that not, you're not to be around them or get married to them. Uh, you need to stay away from that. Uh, by the way, if that is you, by the way, if you're someone who's that way, you tend to be more negative. Um, you know what I want to encourage you to do is just have to learn to change your heart. Now, every now and then I'll be around somebody. They'll say, I'm not negative. I just look at reality. Well, let me say this to you. Stop looking at reality. The Bible says to walk by faith and not by sight. So you know what? Uh, you need to be looking at what God's going to do, not what you see happening. So not crabby, not crabby uh, is the other one. And then the next one, number 14, there's only 15. Uh, number 14, interestingly, is loving. 1 Corinthians 13 says that in the end, nothing's more important than love. Now abide faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so what you want to do is you want to be somebody who is very, very, very loving. Uh, And so that's what God wants for you, and that's what God wants for me. And uh, it's interesting in Proverbs 15, 17, it says, Better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox served with hatred. Uh, By the way, uh, I think that's so interesting. It's better to eat broccoli and have love than it is to go to a barbecue when people are hateful. Uh, And and the Bible says that in the end, love makes even vegetables taste good. Now, I know some of you think vegetables taste good. We'll do a whole another podcast for you. But um, what I want you to grab hold of is this, though. Love is from God. Love makes things better. And if you're with someone who's loving, not only are they going to love you, this is a big deal, they're going to love others. So you want to look for people who have an intense love for others. They love their family. They love their friends. They love people in the name of Jesus whenever they can. They, they go on mission trips and love to share the love of God. They just love loving. And it ought to be the, the defining characteristic of their life. Uh, in 1 Timothy 1 verse 5, it says, The goal of our instruction is love. Uh, the test I have to undergo as a pastor is this. 
If you come to Crossroads and you're here very long and I teach you God's word well, are you more loving? Are you deeper in your love? More pronounced in your love? More experienced in your love? Uh, because that's the goal of the instruction. I could teach you the Bible all day long, but if you're not more loving, that's not the goal. I'm not fulfilling what I'm supposed to do. And so when you get with somebody that God wants you to be with, the bottom line is they need to be somebody who's very, very, very loving. And uh, that's what, you know, God wants you to do. Uh, so by the way, if uh, I would be tell you that one of the best things you could possibly do is foster that in each other, care about that in each other. Um, I uh, remember one time I was, uh, when I was doing Next Gen Ministry, there was a couple that I was so intrigued with because they really did care about each other. But whenever they came to our ministry, they almost always would separate and go out amongst everybody else. And then they'd get together at the end of the night and say, hey, who'd you talk to? How are they doing? And they'd pray for people together. That was a great relationship. Uh, a better together than apart relationship. So they need to be loving. And then number 15, by the way, Chris is in the back. Chris, I got the 15, all right? Uh, others see the good in, others see the good in. In Song of Solomon chapter one, uh, the girl says this, rightly do they love you. Uh, she said, you know, rightly do people love you. So other people need to see the good in the person you're with. Uh, I cannot tell you the number of times when I was doing next-gen ministry where somebody would be with a person we did not see the good in. And we'd ask the question, why are you with them? And, and here's the answer we'd get. You don't know them like I do. And I'm like, okay, that's a problem. Uh, and I remember parents saying to me constantly, hey, I am so concerned with who my son is with or my daughter is with because they were like, don't, don't they see this is a problem? Don't they see that this isn't a good thing? And they somehow are blind to it. You know, the old saying, love is blind. Well, the Bible says that love ought to open your eyes and you ought to know that other people can see their character. Other people can see they have a good reputation. Other people can see the motivation. Other people can see that they treat you great. And so other people ought to see the good in them too. If you're the only one who sees the good in them, if you're the only one who kind of knows them, then there's a problem with that. There's a problem with that. So 15 things God says needs to be in you. 15 things need to be in somebody else that you're either dating or engaged to or married. And if one of those is glaringly not there, then that's not the person for you. If it's glaringly not there for you, you're not ready for that relationship yet. So you have all 15 things and you pray about that and you look for that. And when you're interacting with people, you need to see that. Uh, so, you know, I, I want you to know that you ought to watch and see them acting that way. See that they're positive and not negative. See that they look for the good and not the bad. See that they don't lose their temper easily. Uh, see that they're out helping other people. See that they're a person who's respectful and honoring and, and that they show you that and, and you see that towards others. And then what will happen is God will say, okay, not only do you need those things, start praying for what you want to. Pray for what God would have for you. So those are the 15 non-negotiables. By the way, if you're single, uh, I want to make sure you have all of those. And so if for some reason you missed one or you want one, uh, you can email me, Chuck at CrossroadsChurch.com, and we'll send you the list with all the verses. But I also want to say to all you who are single, we have a very special night coming for you called Single Singles Night Out. Single. Singles Night Out. Single. Singles Night Out. 
Singles night out. Singles night out. So here's the thing. Uh, During a world like this that we live in, uh, we want to bring single people together in a positive atmosphere with lots of fun, great food, Great music, Megan Tibbetts will be with us, uh, but we also going to have great teaching together, and we want you to come and have a great place to uh, be fed spiritually, to also begin to develop friendships, maybe with people you haven't met before, or, or just get to know people. But I want to encourage all the single guys, don't miss out on this night. It's on May 8th. May 8th, which is the day after Lauren's birthday. So everybody probably knows, okay, Lauren's birthday is the 7th. Therefore, remember that. So May 8th, uh, guys, you need to come. Guys, bring your friends. And then girls, we want you to come too and bring your friends. And so right now, if you're single, not only do I want you to sign up, I want you to reach out to other people to sign up. You know why? We're a church that loves everybody. We love our singles. We love our singles. And I am going to just go ahead and tell you, One of my dreams would be that the place you would meet the right person for you would be in church. And Crossroads would love to be that church for you. By the way, I can't imagine a better place to meet the right person than here. So what I want you to do, if you're single, uh, go to crossroadschurch.family and sign up for Singles Night Out and uh, invite other people to come too. So let's have a blast together. By the way, I'm going to be there too. I, I, I'm not single, but I want to be there too to be with you guys and just enjoy the Lord and, and fellowship together. So Those are the 15 non-negotiables. Next week, we're going to pick up on some more relationship issues to make your relationship better. And I will see you then. God bless you guys and see you next week.